And as you're finding your place there, again, keep in mind the overall bird's eye view of this book in mind, all right? Help us keep things in perspective as we go through it. But keep in mind that uh, Paul is addressing the churches in the region of Galatia. He even state, states that in the very first verses of, uh, of this book. He says, unto the churches in Galatia. So he's addressing the churches in Galatia in this region here. Uh, keep in mind it's a region, not just a city, because there's multiple cities, multiple churches, multiple Christians in this region. But he's addressing them for this main purpose, main reason. Uh, there are false teachers who have, be, who have begun to creep into this area and into these churches and have begun to teach a false gospel. And that's a false gospel of adding works to the finished work of Christ. It's a false gospel of adding rituals and rules uh, to the gospel of Christ in order to be saved, or in order to gain some kind of grace with God. But there, it's a false gospel, as Paul says, another gospel. But as they were spreading this false gospel, they were causing great uh, harm to the church, uh, causing great chaos in the hearts and minds of God's people. And so with all this going on, Paul picks up his pen and sits down lovingly, but yet very sternly, and declares and defends the true gospel of Jesus Christ. He defends that salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus and not by the works of the law. He said in Galatians 2.16, For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So he's defending faith. He's defending the gospel. He is defending Jesus is what he's doing in this book overall, uh, what he's doing in this book of, of Galatians. So that's what's going on. And so as we continue, we come to chapter number five in our study. And as we come to chapter five and as well into chapter six, it may help us to understand that Paul's doing a little bit of transitioning, just a little bit. Uh, Paul is going from those arguments for the gospel that we have looked at for, for several weeks now, uh, those interrogations, those arguments that he presents as he's defending the gospel, but he moves from, from the arguments for the gospel to the applications of the gospel. Uh, he goes from more of a doctrinal stance to more practical steps. He's putting, uh, he's putting uh, uh, the rubber to the road here kind of thing, all right? And so that's what he's doing as we come to chapter 5, moving into chapter 6 as well. So just keep that in mind. So let's look at it this evening, Galatians chapter 5, and we'll primarily be in verse number 1, but we're going to read down through verse number 6, all right? Look at it with me. Galatians 5, verse number 1. Stand fast, therefore... And the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Let's pray together again. Father, again, we come to you, and we ask you to open our hearts and minds to the precious word of God. And I pray that you to help me to teach, to preach this passage and this verse with passion, but also, Lord, truly in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Because I know without you can do nothing. And please help us tonight to understand the scripture and apply it to our very lives. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at verse 1 one more time. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke 
of bondage. Uh, what's kind of going on here in this verse is uh, Paul is summarizing what he has just declared in the previous verses and even chapters. And I say he's summarizing because you'll notice this, this little word here. It's the third word in verse number one. Stand fast. What's that word? Stand fast. Therefore. Now, this is a very important word in the Word of God, as all the words of Scripture are important. But when you study the Bible and you come across this word, therefore, you need to do this. You need to find out what it's there for, all right? And uh, so that's what he's doing. Uh, Paul is summarizing what, what he has thus said so far. As you go back to see the previous verses and previous chapters, where for time's sake, we're not going to read all that again, all right? But he's just kind of summarizing everything he has said thus far into this, into this verse. But I love this verse. It's very encouraging and helpful to me. Even as I read it, it almost seems like a, um, a, vic- a victorious battle cry to me. As Paul has made his arguments to these people, has, has defended the gospel for four straight chapters now, he summarizes all of it and he says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So this evening, I'd like to dive into this verse a little bit more and see a few, uh, a few words, really, and I think it will help aid our, our learning and understanding of what Paul is dealing with, I'm talking about. All right, so number one, look at these, look at these two words. It's really a phrase, but two words here in, uh, in verse number one. Take note of the word, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, circle liberty, Wherewith Christ hath made us free, circle free. So take note of liberty and free here. Now, when I come across these words, I don't know about you, but they are very precious to me, these words, freedom and liberty. Very, very precious. I'm thankful that we have freedom in the country in which we live. You understand that not every country around the world has the freedoms that you and I get to enjoy. You know that, right? I'm thankful for freedom. I'm thankful we get to have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom in Christ. I'm thankful for the freedoms that we get to enjoy. Now, as Paul is writing to these Galatian believers and they would read these words, they too were no doubt thankful for these words. Uh, They understood what these words meant, not just in the word itself, but they would understand the complete meaning behind liberty and free. They would, have, they would understand completely the concept of what freedom truly is. Because understand, during this time frame, during this first century, Paul, when he was writing, would be addressing to mostly, most people who were either, who were themselves at the time or at one time, slaves. Or maybe these individuals could have owned Slaves, or at the very least, be around slaves of some, of some form or fashion. Now, don't let that alarm you, because during this time in the first century, slavery was just a part of life. Uh, remember, who was the ruling power of the day? It starts with the R, ends with the OM. Rome, that's right. They were the ruling power of, of the day, and Rome was not easy on people. The Roman Empire was a very brutal uh, brutal people, uh, brutal power, dictatorial. After all, it was the Roman cross that many people feared during this day. Uh, but the Romans, they had, it, was, it was said that at least 10% of the Roman Empire, the people themselves would have been either at the current time or at one time slaves. And some even think even more than 10%. But millions, millions of people at this time could have been considered 
slaves. But they were slaves because the Romans, as they go about spreading the empire, as they defeat city or nation, they would take those individuals, the men, young men, young women, the boys, girls, take them back to Rome or back to their provinces as slaves. And they would sell them off or put them into the workforce simply as slaves. So understand, when it talked about freedom and liberty, they knew what that meant because they were surrounded by the concept of slavery. So these Galatians, who would have been under the rule of Rome, knew what slavery meant. And since they knew what slavery meant, what bondage really meant, that means they knew what true freedom was too. And what they really looked like. Because millions of people during this time were simply slaves. It was just common. And so since there's millions of people during this time who were slaves and it was common, they all had the same common desire too. To be free. They just simply wanted to be free. And freedom is something that every person, every honest human being really desires. And you can see that from history. People have gone at great lengths to obtain and keep their freedom. You can read event after event in history and see how people would hazard their lives just to be free or keep their freedom. There's a few that I've looked in history. Some of you may be very familiar to you. Uh, but it was, it was Sir Francis Drake who took a handful of tiny ships to fight Spain's mighty Spanish Armada. Why? Because the Englishmen were determined to remain free. It was a small, outnumbered American colonies that fought against a much larger and more sophisticated English military. Why? Because they wanted to be free. It was during the Civil War that brother fought against brother over the right for men to be free. Look, time and time again, you can see that people throughout history have hazarded their lives because they just simply want freedom. Inside every man, there's a deep-seated root of this, the need and desire to be free. And so when Paul speaks of freedom here, his readers knew exactly what he meant. But this freedom that he's writing about was not a physical freedom. It wasn't freedom from the oppression they were facing. It wasn't freedom from the oppression of Rome. Rather, this freedom Paul is writing about in verse number 1 was one that's far greater. It was a spiritual freedom. A freedom from the law. A freedom from the condemnation of not being able to keep the law. It was a freedom. A spiritual freedom. That's what Paul is speaking of. That kind of freedom. Now, when a slave during this time, in Paul's day, during this time frame, when they wanted to be free, that freedom was not obtained by themselves or by any of their doing. Uh, it is said as, as a physical slave during this time, there were certain ways that you could try to be free, but most of those would not pan out. There's only real, really one way that a slave could actually be free, a primary way. Now, this way here, as I was studying this a little bit, I found one, one historian made this, made this note. He said this, how a slave would become free. He said, when a rich ruler or rich master, even at this, during that time frame, they, they would call themselves, not, um, not refer to him just as a master, but they even call him a god, okay, little g. But they refer to him as a master or a rich ruler, uh, that individual would come to the common marketplace where they would sell people as slaves or they would buy a slave from another person. They would go to the common marketplace, they would buy a slave, and then they would turn around on that slave's behalf, behalf they would 
pay for their freedom. And they would pay for this freedom by paying the appropriate amount and appropriate price to the temple treasury. You see, a slave may have tried to save up their money to pay for their own freedom, but because they're not legal citizens, they couldn't do it. But someone else had to do it for them. So this rich ruler, this master would come and pay the appropriate amount and appropriate price for this slave to the temple treasury. And then after paying for that slave and for that slave's freedom, that individual slave would get a legal document with the words for freedom inscribed upon it. And with this legal document, that slave would be free. And listen to this. And no one, no one could ever enslave them again under the authority of Rome itself. They were forever free. Why? Because someone paid for their freedom. Sound familiar? (laughs) You see, as believers, this should paint a great picture for us. Because understand, we have been purchased as well. Not with money. Not with silver, not with gold, not with precious stones, but with something far, far greater. You and I have been bought with a price, oh yes. It was a price of the precious blood of Jesus Christ himself. The Bible says in Acts 20, 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, here it is, which he hath purchased with his own blood. 1 Corinthians 6.20, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. In 1 Corinthians 7.23, You are bought with a price, be not ye the servants of men. Listen, we have been bought by a price, and with a price, and that is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore we are, since he's purchased us, we are the property of the Son of God. You and I belong to him. No one else has any right over you or me except for Christ. No one else has any right to enslave us ever again. Not Satan, not sin, and certainly not religion. We are free in Christ. We are free, not because of what we have done, not because of what we can do, not because of what we have paid, not because of what we could pay. No, we are free because of what Christ has done. Again, look at verse number one. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. We're free because of what Jesus has done. And after the Lord has bought us and set us free, he gave us a document to remind us of that. You know what that is? Just in case you don't know. It's right here, all right? It reminds us time and time again that we are free in Christ. And again, that's what Paul is doing here to these Galatian believers. Listen, you guys have been bought with a price. You have been set free. You know what freedom is. You know what slavery is. And you're the only way to be, be, be free as a slave is somebody buy you. And Jesus did that for you. I'm here to remind you, you are free. You are free in Christ. And listen, listen to these verses. This is a reminder of the freedom we have in the Lord. John eight thirty six. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Time and time again, you can read in the Word of God and see how Jesus, after He has bought us, He paid for us, He set us free. We are declared free by His blood, and we are declared free by this book. We are free forever. 
And so it's freedom that Paul is trying to get across to these, to these precious Galatian believers here, that they were free. They didn't have to be under the bondage of, of religion. They didn't have to be under the bondage of the law. They didn't have to be under the bondage of anything because Christ has set them free, no matter what the Judaizers were saying, uh, no matter what they were teaching. No, they were wrong. <laughs> and Christ is correct. Christ is right. Truth is truth. And error is error. And they're always at war against each other. He's reminding them. They are free. It's free forever. Now, since they are free, what do you do with freedom? <laughs> what do you do with freedom in Christ? You're free. What do, you, what do you do with that? Does that mean you have a license to sin? There are some that would love to prove that from this, from this book of Galatians, even from this verse in chapter 1, that since we have freedom in Christ, we are free to do whatever we want to do. It's like a license to sin. Because, uh, by the way, we're, we're sin did abound. Grace did much more abound. After all, it didn't have a freedom to do whatever we want, a freedom to, uh, to sin how we want to, or a freedom to rebel, a license, if you will, to, to rebel. Even the Judaizers would probably suggest that, as Paul was speaking of freedom here, but that's not what that means. That's not what that means at all. I like what Wearsby said about this. He said, no, no man could become a rebel who depends on God's grace, yields to God's spirit, lives for others, and seeks to glorify God. No man could become a rebel who does that. And so if you live your life that way, totally by faith, trusting in the Lord, free in Christ, that kind of, that kind of life, faith, life produces this, seeking to glorify God, yielding to God. That's the kind of life that produces and by the way, the letter of the law can never produce that kind of life. So it's not a, not a freedom to sin. No, it's a freedom to serve and to live for the Lord Jesus Christ freely. Because the law can never do that. But the grace of God can. So what do you do with this freedom? All right, let's see from this verse what we can do in this freedom. Number, number two. Number two, see this word. And it's the first two, actually. It's a phrase. Uh, first two. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Stand fast. That's what we can do in the freedom that we have in Christ. Stand fast. This word stand here is one of Paul's, uh, one of his great rally cries, if you will. He really likes using this word, and for good reason. But you can see it several times in his epistles. You can see it in, in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13. The Bible says, Paul speaking, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men, and be strong. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 through 14. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. Three times in just a verse and a half, he says to stand. Philippians 1, 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 3.8, For now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord. 2 Thessalonians 2.15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So several times Paul con con consistently commands and encourages us to stand fast. But what does that mean? What does it mean to stand fast? What well, means this? It means don't move. It means don't give up ground. It means to stand fast. Firm. This, this phrase, stand fast, 
Well, once again, uh, be very interesting to this uh, Gentile mind here, especially in the Roman era, okay? Because during this time, the Roman military, the Roman, Roman uh, soldiers, they were been the, um, the greatest military of the day. I mean, for hundreds of years, this was the military you would not want to come across because if you did, well, you're toast, you're done, all right? Uh, they're going to take your town, take your country, it's over, you might as well give in. But they were feared all over the world. But during this time, this, this phrase has been very familiar, especially if you were part of the Roman military, uh, because it would have been said, or been used rather, by a Roman leader during war. If, if a Roman garrison was facing a frontal attack from, uh, from a foe, a uh, frontal attack from, from some kind of foe, the Roman soldiers at the command of their centurion would do this. They would take their shield and lock it in with their fellow sh- uh, soldier's shield. And then they would plant their feet firmly together. All right, so here's what they would do. They would take their Roman shield, something like this, and uh, they must have been a little bit shorter back then. So I probably was tall back in the first century, just so you know. But uh, anyway, why are you laughing? But anyway, uh, so they were taking their shield, and a lot of them, I've seen different, different images as far as historically that they would think it would be. Uh, some of them would have a ring on this side, and they would have a little spike on this side. And so as they would come together, they would lock in. They would lock their shields together. As the foe or the enemy was coming, coming straight at them, they would lock shields and lock in together and take their stance and stand firm or stand fast so they can't be moved. They don't be moved. That's what it means to stand fast. But we're not to stand fast in just physical warfare or fighting. That's what Paul's getting at. Though a Roman soldier would want that, right? That's not what we're standing fast in or not moving in, not giving an inch under. We're not not standing there. Rather, we're standing fast, look at it with me, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. We're not moving out of the freedom in the Lord. We're not moving out of the grace of God. We're not moving from any of that. Stand fast. Stand firm. We must take a stand in the Lord. In the freedom. Stand firm against the enemy. Stand firm against error. Stand firm upon the truth of the word of God. So that's what it means. Stand firm. Pick up that shield. Stand firm. You know, it's interesting as you look at... uh, the armor uh, of God, as Paul paints that picture and gives us those, those elements to the armor, uh, it's interesting what he says about the shield there. In Ephesians chapter 6, and verse 16, he says these two words, above all. Above all. If you're going to take at least one thing to battle, take the shield. Take the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I, I, would, I would dare say and as Paul is writing the, the, the letter to the Ephesians there from prison, he's looking at a, a Roman soldier guarding him and looking at his, his weaponry. It, maybe he, maybe, I'm just kind of reading into it here, all right, so don't quote me on this, but, but maybe he's looking at him, maybe even ask the soldier, hey, if you could take one thing, what, what would you want to take to battle? And maybe that Roman soldier picked up that shield and said, man, I, I want this thing right here. I can use it as a shield, of course, but I can also use it as a weapon. I want this. And so Paul's like, I like it. So there's one thing that a believer needs to take to war. He needs to take the faith he has in Christ and stand there. Stand in the faith in Christ. Stand in the freedom we have in the Lord. Stand fast. Don't move from it. 
Don't move from it. Stand firm. Again, look at it. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And then it says this. We see, lastly, a warning that Paul gives in this verse. He says, And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. When you hear the word here, entangled, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? Entangled, what comes to your mind? Someone tell me. All mixed up? You know what comes to my mind when I think of entangled? I think of phone chargers. Who here has a basket at your house with about 50 dozen phone chargers that you've had for the past 20 years? Uh, be honest. All right. I see a few hands. All right. Pray for you. Pray for you. No, I'm just kidding. But you look at that basket and you're like, oh my goodness, I just need that one. And you start picking it up like this and it's all entangled and here comes a big old gong. You just throw it back in the basket and order another one off Amazon. It's just so much easier, you know. But when I, hear, I see the word entangled, that's what comes to my mind. Entangled in that. That's what it is. That's what it is all wrapped together. It's just all tangled together. It's just a big gong. It's a big twisted mess together. It's just a plain mess. Well, that's what entangled is. It's just a mess. And when you think back in the past, that's what he's, that's what he's kind of doing here, getting them to think back in the past, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. When you think back to the past, that's what our life was before Christ. It's just a mess. It was for me. It's just a mess. It, my life was a mess, a mess of sin, a mess of the consequences because of sin, just mess. Make it dress it up every now and then. Make it look good on the outside and put on a good church face. But it's a mess. It's a mess. But Christ set us free from that. He set us free. He gave us liberty. Not be entangled in that mess again. I'm thankful for salvation. He sets us free. But not only before we knew Christ as our Savior was a mess, but there's sometimes when we live as believers outside of faith and the freedom we have in Christ, we try to do it our own way. You know what you find yourself in? A mess. A mess. You live outside of Christ, you'll find yourself in a mess. You live apart from the Lord, you'll find yourself in a mess. You live outside of the boundaries of His Word, you find yourself in a mess. Individuals I try to help, which we talk through things and whatnot, and we find out, well, you, you didn't do it exactly what, how God said, and that's why we find ourselves in a mess. Listen, it's just not, he didn't write it down just to be read. He read it, wrote it down to be obeyed as well. So if you try to live your life outside of God, outside of his grace, outside of faith in him, outside of the word of God, you'll find yourself entangled. And a mess. And by the way, the Lord never intended for us as believers to live outside of Him ever. Never to, be, never to live outside of His Word ever. He never intended that. Never. No, he, he intended for us to completely depend upon Him and His Word. Not just for salvation, but for everyday living. John 15, verse 4 through 5, Jesus speaking, Abide in me, stay in me, abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except that abide in the vine. No, ma no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. 
He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me he can do nothing. Nothing. So, if you want to live your life outside of the freedom that we have in Christ, outside of the faith of Christ, outside of Christ, you can. But you'll find yourself in a mess. And you'll find yourself entangled again. Bondage again. Or you can live with the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? That's what Paul said. So he lived his life. Galatians 2.20. So stand in that freedom. Stand in that faith. Stand in that freedom with, with Christ. Stand there. Stand there. Look at it again. Verse number one. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again. Don't go back there. Be not entangled again with the yoke 